Thank you. Thank you for that reception. That's wonderful. I had a word, uh, well, probably about six months ago, and, and God was saying to me, check your alignment in a metaphorical sense. That's the car. So look at your wheels. Look at the wheels of your vehicle. Are any of your wheels out of alignment? Are any of them wobbly? Are any of them about to fall off? And so that brought me into a bit of a process of just saying, which, part of my, which parts of my life are just kind of not really functioning very well? It's quite amazing, actually, that in the last week, God has brought this theme of kind of alignment, of wholeness. And uh, Jeb preached last week on unity. It was an excellent preach, if you were here. And if you were there on Friday, Nicole brought a word on sozo, on wholeness at Freedom House. And I'm bringing a similar emphasis actually this morning. Uh, And the amazing thing is they all came independently. When Nicholas asked each of us to preach, we all came up with something we felt God was, had on our hearts, and, and the, the aggregate of that was that God had an emphasis. And so God is putting a weight and an emphasis on the subject of alignment, of wholeness, of unity, and submission, and they're all related. Spiritual alignment is to bring yourself into proper submission under the authority of God. His rule in your life and your obedience to his rule. And that's in all areas, all wheels of the car functioning. And why is this so important? Because we're called to a race. And the race is really heating up. I don't know if you notice, the sense of anticipation and excitement is heating up, but the competition in the worldly sense of it is also heating up. Our effectiveness is dependent on the wheels of our car hitting the pavement aligned and balanced, just like these NASCAR cars, like a top-performing race car our effectiveness, our endurance, and ultimately our relationship with the Lord himself is dependent on all these elements of our person coming into wholeness and alignment. God is calling us to maturity, and maturity means that we are addressing every part of our being as God directs. So in in light of that, I'd like to speak this morning specifically about one wheel of the car, and that's the body. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, May God himself, just think of the address of this, think about the words, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole Spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hear the emphasis here. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. 
We see in this verse that God himself, who is referred to as the God of peace, is intimately involved in our sanctification process, which is the process by which we are being separated and cleansed from the world and aligned and conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And the process that he has committed to is thorough. It's thorough and involves our whole being. He is the God of peace, which means that that part of... uh, He is the God of peace, and he's bringing us to wholeness through peace. When we find wholeness, we find peace. So what is our whole being? Just quickly, we are a tripartite being, which means we are made of of three parts. We are a spirit. The Greek word is pneuma. Martin Luther, the 16th century theologian, describes the spirit as the highest and noblest part of man, which qualifies him to lay hold of incomprehensible, invisible, eternal things. In short, is the house where faith and God's word are at home. We are also a soul, suke. This is you. When you think of you, your personality, your affections, your your thoughts, your will, that is your soul. We are also a body, soma. This is a physical body that houses your soul. And while these three parts are an amazing study, and I encourage you to do a study on this on your own, I'm going to focus on the body, the physical body. How many of you have a body out there? Put up your hand. (laughs) If you're alive and you're breathing and you're here, you have a body, a physical body. You got here in your body. You're going to leave in your body. We walk around in our body. And as Christians, we need to understand that our bodies have an important part to play, not just about eating or drinking or doing our day-to-day work or so forth, but they are actually essential in our spiritual life, what we do with our bodies. Our bodies are the house that our souls inhabit and the instruments through which we minister and interact with the world around us. These hands, this mouth, our bodies can be used for righteousness or unrighteousness. So here are just a few basic biblical facts about our bodies. And while these things may seem simplistic to you, they are important. God made our bodies. And God made them male and female. Scripture, so God created mankind in his own image. It's from Genesis. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You know, it's interesting that when I was preparing this message, I felt a particular emphasis that God wanted to put on this. Remember, he's the God of peace. He's the God of wholeness. And while this statement may offend the culture today, it shouldn't offend us. 
It should comfort us. Let it wash over us that he made our bodies and he made them male and female. You don't need to be confused by what is happening around us regarding the two genders. It is very simple, actually. God made humans. He made us with bodies. These bodies are male and female. And both the male and female bodies are a reflection of God's own image. It is a beautifully simple truth. And I just want to say that God wants to bring alignment in this. The culture is going in a different direction, and it's not leading to peace. God wants to bring peace to his body, the church. That means that we come into alignment with his order. And I just want to say, if anyone is experiencing confusion in this area, and they don't know what to believe, God is here for you. He wants to bring peace to your mind. He wants to bring peace to your body. He is able to do it. Second, God formed our bodies out of the dust of the earth. These were supposed to be animated. I'm sorry, you're getting a whole, whole long thing. God formed our bodies out of the dust of the earth. Um, Genesis 2-7, our bodies, uh, in Genesis 2-7, we see God, God forming us and breathing into us. Our bodies are therefore intimately connected to the earth. And here's an interesting little bit of trivia for you of the various elements that we are made up of. We are also made up of 18.5% carbon. So this means that if you die, your loved one can cremate you and make a diamond necklace out of you. <laughs> that is the truth. <laughs> but that being said, we are formed from the earth. It's an actual fact. The elements of our body are also found in the earth. When Adam and Eve sinned, both our bodies and the earth were corrupted and subject to sin and death. And that is a present reality. Of course, we understand that through Jesus Christ, he overcame the law of sin of death. The life in Christ Jesus has overcome the law of sin and death. But it's a present reality that our bodies connected to the earth, which are dying, still have the flesh operating in us. So it's a present reality that we contend, our spirit contends against the flesh. Our bodies are not, are described as a house and a vessel, a tent or a temple. Our bodies are houses for our souls. God blew into us the breath of life, our souls, and we have become a living being. So we aren't alive because we have a body, although we need a body to live, as you know. We are alive because we have a soul. But our body is not just a house for our own soul and spirit, but also the Holy Spirit. If you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells with us in our 
bodies. 1 Corinthians 6.13 says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Finally, one day we will get a new body, a heavenly body, and this body will free us from corruption and from death. 1 Corinthians 42-44 says, we will, um, So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, is raised imperishable, is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, and it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a supernatural spiritual body. So God created these incredible, complex, and marvelous bodies. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. That is the word of God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And he has called us to live our lives in our bodies, to further his kingdom in our bodies, to preach the gospel in our bodies to create families and have children in our bodies, to live holy lives in our bodies. We are the hands and feet of Jesus, the actual physical hands and feet of Jesus. That means that our our hands and feet, our bodies are an extension of Jesus himself. Our bodies matter. Over the years, the church has made a lot to do about our bodies. We tended as a human race to swing the pendulum between legalism and license. It swings from treating the body harshly through extreme diets and other form of abstinence to allowing the body whatever it wants as if it has no effect whatsoever to your soul or your effectiveness. Colossians 2.23 says, Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Adherence to the observance of certain feasts and diets. And if you've been in the church for a while, like I have, you've you've probably, like I have, seen it all and heard it all. Different feasts, different diets, different ways of bringing your body into subjection, penance and denial of the body, abstaining from eating meat or drinking alcohol. These are not things that make you holy, And when we entangle ourselves in these things and make them to be important qualifications to holiness, we prove our immaturity, that we are still religious in our mindset and tied to human rules and systems. Jesus freed us from the law and from human systems. We are not constrained, but free. That means we don't need to prove our obedience to Christ through treating the body harshly or with undue discipline. 
However, the proper response to this is not to let the pendulum swing to the other side, where we allow the body whatever pleasures it wants, or allow the body any indulgence it wants, as if it doesn't matter or doesn't have any consequence. Sexual immorality, excessive eating, excessive sleeping, excessive watching or scrolling or playing or recreation or drinking or smoking means that you are not in control. Your body and your flesh are the ones in the driver's seat. Remember, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies are no longer our own. They belong to the Lord. For many of us, the best thing that we could do to bring our bodies into proper order is through healthy eating and regular exercise, getting up at a healthy time, putting away that device, stop stop snacking at all hours of the day. The lack of it in your life, my life, is making us ineffective. And our bodies are getting sick as a result. Sometimes we want to be healed from something that is just a result of a lack of discipline. Romans, or sorry, I think I got this. Yeah. Oh, yes. Do you not know? Sorry, excuse me. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but one gets the prize? We are all in this race. If you are alive and if you have a body, checking in again, you are in the race. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games go into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. It's worth the effort. Therefore I, this is Paul speaking, he says, Therefore I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. He's making his body subject to his will. So that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul uses this metaphor of competing in athletics to express the need for personal discipline and being effective and finishing the race well. Our bodies are an essential part of this. And while this metaphor obviously extends beyond this and beyond the physical body, Paul says that it is necessary to bring your body into subjection. It includes your body to make it your slave. Who's in control? Who is the one? Is it your body in control or are you in control? Don't be a slave to your body. If you were an athlete, you would get up. You would do what you have to compete and win that prize. We are, in essence, spiritual athletes 
running for a prize. The prize is Christ Jesus. The prize is to run this race well, successfully, and to fulfill the call of God on our life. We're not going to do that if the body is in the driver's seat and we are not. How many of us are ineffective just for the reason that we do not care or discipline our bodies? We allow our bodies to have whatever they want, whether it is in license, too much indulgence, or over-discipline. We have become overzealous in exercise and diet, as if we are only our body and not an internal soul as well. Some people's exercise and diet routines are evidence of idolatry. It's not just not being disciplined. It can be over-disciplined. Your body is still in control. It's still flesh. Wholeness or alignment is finding peace and rest in your body. True freedom is peace. Romans 6, 11 to 14 says, In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under law but under grace. And this is the truth. It is the grace and mercy of God that continues to lead us. When we receive his grace and realize that God is for us in this, he is not just on the sidelines rooting us on. He's not even just at the water station along the way. He's actually in us, empowering us and moving us from strength to strength and glory to glory. It is exciting to think that God actually cares for our bodies. And while many of us are, are suffering in our bodies, maybe you're sick or you're struggling with, with a war against the flesh, something that just isn't giving, he is aware of it. He isn't condemning us. He is saying, you can do it. And even if your body isn't working quite right, and I'm, I'm starting to understand this more as I get older, that, you know, these bodies have an expiry date. And as you draw nearer to the expiry date, things don't work quite as well as they did before. And, um, but, but even at the scriptures highlight this. This is even though your body is essentially dying, what is inside you is, is, is getting better. It's growing. It's, it's going from glory to glory and from strength to strength. So even as we see our bodies start to expire, we understand that the Holy Spirit in us is strong. So may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept 
blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. You can trust him in this. He is for you. He is not against you. For most of us, the response to this message is what we've been preaching on. Just do it. To make the adjustments that God has already been speaking to us about. You can start drinking water. You can start getting up early. You can start walking to work. You can stop scrolling. You can stop snacking all hours. There are things that God has said to you, hey, you know, you're just things are getting out of control. Maybe you need to fast once a week just to tell your body that, you know what? No, I'm taking, I'm taking charge here. I'm getting back in the driver's seat. It's not that complicated. However, for some of others, it feels more daunting. You might feel trapped or completely out of control. And I'd just like to take some time to pray in that regard. Maybe if the worship team can come up. As we're closing here, for those people who feel trapped, you've done it before and it seems to always fail. Or you're just stuck in a habit that just seems overwhelming. The idea of getting out of that space feels way more than you feel like you can handle. I'd just like to highlight a couple areas. In these areas, I feel God saying, I'm here for you, and you've got this. You can do this, because the spirit that is in you is greater than the spirit that is in the world, or the flesh that is still dogging your body. If you're struggling with your body image, and you just can't get it right, even though you've tried what feels like a million times, maybe you can't seem to eat right or exercise, or maybe you can't stop exercising, and when you put on a couple of pounds, you just feel that anxiety rate rising. So either side, God wants to heal you. He wants to put faith in you again. If you're struggling with addiction here, either to drugs or alcohol or cigarettes, marijuana. Maybe you're struggling with addiction to gaming or scrolling or sweets or chocolate. I actually know someone who, when he stopped eating chocolate, he was addicted to chocolate, he saved so much money that he bought himself a motorcycle. That's the truth. <laughs> now, I know we have these kind of weird levels of addiction. I know someone else who was struggled with alcohol and drinking wine and they thought, well, I'm not drinking spirits, so it's, it's not as bad. But addiction is addiction. And it is the flesh and it is harming you. And it could even be killing you. So God wants to free us, anyone here, 
from addiction, whatever it is. Maybe it's something not on this list. If you know you're actually addicted and you can't get free, God wants to heal you and free you. If you're struggling with sexual sin, 1 Corinthians 6.18, it says run from sexual sin with an exclamation mark. Like, it's very strong. Run from sexual sin. It says no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. This is a statement of fact. Sexual sin is really doing harm to you. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Maybe it's an addiction to porn. And this is men and women get addicted to this stuff. Or maybe you're in a sexual relationship with someone who is not your husband or your wife. Maybe your problem is the exact opposite. You are married and you don't want to have sex. If any of these things are true and you want freedom and you want wholeness and you want peace, God is here for you now. This process of sanctification is his idea and he says he will do it. The grace is there. The favor is there. The freedom is there. The power is there. He's backing you 100% with all the resources of heaven. You can access that today. So I'm just going to pray. Thank you, Lord. just stand and if that's you we're not going to ask you to come down or anything but you do need to respond you can know if the Holy Spirit's moving on you because you just feel that stirring inside you and he's saying yes whatever failure you've experienced in the past it doesn't need to be you moving forward your past does not define your future God does he's here today. So Lord, we say thank you. Thank you for these bodies you've given us, Lord. Thank you that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. When you created them, you said, this is good. It is good. I love this creation. Lord, thank you, Lord, that through the process of sanctification that you are bringing us into wholeness, our body, our soul, our spirit coming into alignment with you so that we can hit the ground running so all our wheels are on the pavement and we can win this race. So Lord, I pray for anyone who is discouraged or is on the sidelines of this race and feels like they can't go on for whatever reason, Lord. If it's addiction, Lord, we just pray a breaking of that power over them now in Jesus' name. Break that power of addiction, Lord, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Just pray a release, Lord, a release, a release of your presence, Lord, your release of your grace, a release of the revelation that you are for them and you are not against them. You do not condemn them. They are your children and you want them. You want them to run well. 
Lord, for anyone struggling with body image, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you can give them new eyes to see themselves, that this is not a competition. This is not looking at others and trying to be like that person. If people feel defeated, Lord, if they feel discouraged, if they feel like they cannot do it because they've always tried and they failed, Lord, I pray that something would stir in them now to say, today is a new day. And his mercy is new every morning. You can do it. You put yourself back in the driver's seat. Your body is not your master. So, Lord, thank you, Lord, for that. The, the same spirit that raised Christ from, in the de- from the dead dwells in us and will give life to our mortal bodies. Thank you, Lord, that you are for us and not against us. And we just pray, Father, for anyone here who needs you, who needs a touch from you. Just, just put your hand on them right now, Lord, we pray, Lord. Thank you that you are moving. Thank you that you are changing. Thank you that you are renewing our minds and bringing into us into wholeness, into completion. In Jesus' name we pray.